This morning, we're going to talk about faithfulness, uh, kind of how um, the last, the closing verses of James speak to faithfulness, I believe, but also uh, how that, looking back through the rest of the book of James, faithfulness is a way to combat the hypocrisy we've seen, the inconsistency we've seen. Uh, There's a lot of emphasis on prayer in this closing passage as well. Uh, I think we'll see that they go hand in hand, the combination of faithfulness and prayer in the life of the local church. Uh, and how that can serve as a, a huge safeguard against all the things that we've been discussing over the last six weeks. Uh, we've talked about favoritism, trash talk, selfishness, pride, greed, impatience, etc. Uh, and how each one of these reveals a lack of faith in God for something. We don't trust that God uh, is who he says he is or will do what he said he will do. And there's some kind of lack of faith. Uh, in each of these that, uh, that these things reveal in us. And so we don't want to be uh, known by those things. We want to be known by our faithfulness and trust in the Lord and the fruit of the Spirit and the character of God in us. And so in these final verses, um, if the rest of the book was kind of a mirror showing us what we look like or where we don't match up to God's Word, uh, this last passage is kind of, what do I do about it? If I see these things in the mirror and these things are revealed in me, Uh, How can I uh, strengthen my battle against those things? Uh, So let's see how the book of James ends here in chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. But let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. First, in verse 12, we see this exhortation about uh, consistency with our commitment. Uh, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. It's a call to faithfulness in our speech, similar to what we saw in chapter 3. Chapter 3 was about uh, not setting ablaze, right? Things ablaze with your speech. Um, uh, I don't remember if I used the example here, but I did with the, the, the kids at Cougars for Christ at the elementary school. Uh, just a picture like a flamethrower in your mouth or just a fire in your mouth. And so uh, with that fire, are you going to bring warmth and comfort like a fireplace in a home? Or are you going to blaze you know, down the forest like uh, something destructive? So we carry this great power uh, with our words. And so we see this theme again here in, in verse 12 about not being inconsistent with your commitments or not going back on a promise that you've made or not making promises you can't keep. And so just seeking integrity again with our words so that we won't, again, look, um, that we wouldn't look uh, disingenuous or inconsistent and that it wouldn't reflect poorly on our God, right? That if we claim to be people of Christ, that um, we don't have a poor testimony with our inconsistency as well. 
this unreliability shows a lack of integrity. We don't want to be known by that. As for the rest of the passage, we'll look at just two characteristics of faithfulness that we find in the closing verses. Uh, Every time I'm tempted to say it's going to be a short message this morning, I go long. But here I am again saying, I think this is going to be a short one, guys. I just want you to not be jarred by if it's short. But saying that now, it'll probably be three hours long. So I don't think it will be. The first characteristic of faithfulness that we see here is that faithfulness focuses on the Lord. Faithfulness focuses on the Lord. James says that if we're suffering, we should pray, and if we're cheerful, we should sing praise, which is also a form of prayer, singing to the Lord. Both prayer and praise are matters of turning to the Lord. In this case, the prayer is turning to God for help, for comfort, for relief from suffering, And the praise is to honor, to thank, to celebrate Him for blessing us with things that make us cheerful. Both scenarios rightly acknowledge that God is the one, the only one. He's all-powerful. He's capable. He's the one to whom all praise is due and all glory should be given. He's powerful enough to rescue anyone from any suffering. And He's the source of every good and perfect gift. So we should focus on God in the good and the bad. Two things came to mind when I thought about this, whether good or bad is kind of the same um, uh, prescription here. Uh, One was a joke that Brian Regan tells about baseball, and I don't know if it applies or not, but he talks about playing Little League and how he was terrible, and so he just didn't want to play at all because it didn't matter whether you played good or played bad, you still got a snow cone at the end of the game. And so he was like, I don't don't need to play, like I'm good. Like whether you play a good game or play a bad game, you can still get a snow cone. Either way, you get a snow cone. Uh, so this reminded me of that, because it's whether you're having a bad day or a great day, you don't turn two different directions, you always turn to the Lord. Good day or bad day, turn to the Lord, right? Snow cone, you always get a snow cone. The other thing it reminded me of was the old hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, right? And it says, there's a line there that says, take everything to God in prayer. Uh, and I thought, oh yeah, that's great. And I went and looked up the lyrics, and it never mentions praises or victories. It only talks about taking your uh, your suffering and your your grief and those things to God in prayer, which is very true, and we should. But it says, take everything to God in prayer. What a friend we have in Jesus. And I thought, that's so true. If you have a friend that is so great, that is so close, if you're having a good day or a bad day, you can take both of those things to them, right? Hopefully. Hopefully you don't have, well, I've got my good day friend and i got my bad day friend, right? If I'm having a bad day, I go over here. If I'm having a good day, I go over here. But a really good, true friend who's so close and who knows you well and that you trust, you confide, you share. Um, I remember when we moved from Albuquerque, this uh, friend of our family gave me this little picture when we moved away, and it said, friendship divides your griefs and multiplies your joys. Uh, And back then, I was like nine years old, and I was like, that's cheesy. It was a girl who gave it to me, too, so I was like, you know. Um, but, But I remember it. Uh, and there's so much truth to that, that friendship, good relationships, they help you divide the grief. They help you carry the load of sorrow, right? You can put some of that grief on other people's shoulders. And in your joy, if something excites you, something you're celebrating, you take that to them as well. Celebrate this with me, right? I want you to experience this joy and rejoice with me. And so whether suffering or rejoicing, you focus on the Lord. As James continues and mentions the elders praying over someone, it's again God who's being focused on as the source of healing. He talks about anointing with oil, and most likely this is not like a medicinal oil. There's not 
uh, healing in the oil. He says to anoint with oil that they might be prayed over. Um, I think this applies to the rest of Scripture as well because we see a lot of healing without oil. So it's not like oil is the magic ingredient here. Uh, also, uh, one commentator noted that the, the elders wouldn't necessarily be the ones applying medicine, right? If it's just a medicinal oil you need, you'd go and see a, a doctor or someone who would apply that to you. But the focus here is on what the Lord can do. And so an anointing with oil, basically you're setting apart just for a special time of prayer, focusing on God. James even says that the prayer uh, of faith will save the one who's sick and the Lord will raise him up. So it's God who's doing the healing, God who's doing the raising up, right? And yet we focus on him in those times. It puts our faith squarely on God, this special prayer for those who are sick, even in anointing them with oil. The oil is not the saving agent, it's God. It should not surprise us that the first key to faithfulness in our battle against hypocrisy is to focus on God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 directed us to this truth ages earlier. It reads, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So we trust in the Lord with all our hearts, all of our hearts, and we acknowledge him in all of our ways, right? So this is consistent, faithful focus on God with all that we are. This is the antithesis of the double-minded, unstable man we read about in James chapter 1. This unstable, double-minded man uh, is associated with folly, hypocrisy, instability, inconsistency. And their opposites are found in focusing on God. In trusting God, uh, trusting solely on the Lord, we find wisdom, integrity, stability, and consistency, which are the opposites of those things we see with double-mindedness. We talk about this all the time here at Monsieur Day. If we have trusted our lives to Jesus for salvation, then our entire selves, our entire lives are surrendered to him in faith. He's in charge. If we desire to be faithful to him, we defer to his will over ours. We'll come back to verse 16 in a bit, but jumping down to verse 17, James mentions Elijah and his prayers for drought and rain. I wanted to connect this reference to the point on focusing on God because this is a great example of just that. This reference is not here to highlight the greatness or power found in Elijah himself, but how in tune Elijah was with God. James even says Elijah was a man like us, with a nature like ours. It wasn't anything special in Elijah, but it was God who caused the drought and brought the rain. God was the one who told Elijah that rain was coming. So his prayers were not a matter of giving God an idea that he hadn't thought of yet or asking God to do something that he wasn't willing to do or already on board with. Rather, Elijah's prayers revealed that he was asking God for things that God was already going to do or wanting to do. And so our focus on God lines up our hearts and prayers with God's will. And when our hearts and prayers are lined up with God's will, then our lives will be consistent. And we won't see all the terrible things in our lives when we look in the mirror of God's Word. We need a faithfulness that focuses on God. So ask yourself, what takes your focus off of God, right? If that's a key to combating all these different things, like, well, I struggle with impatience, or I struggle with, uh, you know, hurting people with my words, or I struggle with these different things we've talked about, whatever it might be, there's a lack of trust in God there somewhere. But also, I need to focus on the Lord 
so that my faithfulness will increase and this issue won't be manifested in this way. Secondly, we see here in James that faithfulness flourishes in community. Faithfulness flourishes in community. Let me start at this point by saying a lot of times people try to skip the focus on God part and jump straight to the community part. Likewise, many people try to keep their faith life an individual pursuit apart from community, but neither works for true faithfulness. We need both, focusing on the Lord and community. If we skip focusing on God and seek comfort simply in the blessings of community, we're not attached to the source of our hope and salvation. We might blend in okay on the outside, but internally, where it really matters, we're way off from where we need to be. It's kind of like uh, when I trim the hedges at home every once in a while. Uh, I only have two, so it doesn't take very long. And um, anyway, but when you first trim them and you're cutting, you know a lot of the stuff falls to the ground, and that's easy to just sweep up and move along. A lot of what you trim kind of stays in the bush, and for a day or two, it blends in. You can't tell it's there, and so you can pick some of it on the first day. Um, but other than that, you're just like, well, I'll just have to come back and get the rest another time, or just whatever, or it's okay for now. Well, in a day or two, you really can see what you cut off and is still there because it dries up. It turns brown. It doesn't blend in anymore with the, the live plant, the live leaves that are still there. It's pretty clear which leaves are still attached to the roots in receiving life and which ones have been cut off from that source of life. This is community in the Christian church, but apart from Christ, especially internally, which we can't always see, but God certainly does. To those who are in Christ, focused on God and in community with other believers, we are alive and well, right? But those who are not healthy or not alive in Christ at all, even if they're in community with believers, find themselves drying up and struggling. And eventually it might be evident to others around them. But for a while you can blend in and be okay and even experience the common grace of being around other Christians. But if you're not attached to the source of life yourself, focusing on God first, and alive in Christ first, then you're not going to be able to flourish in Christian community together. James says the faithful can call upon the elders, spiritual leaders who know and love them, to pray for them. James says in verse 16 to confess our sins to other believers. This is impossible to do alone, and difficult to do if not in a community with others. The more we know and are known by others in Christ, the more vulnerable we will be comfortable in being. In fact, it's often community with others which leads to the type of confession we're likely seeing here in James, which is confessing to someone how you've wronged them and need to reconcile with them. It's seeking to heal the wounds that keep you from thriving in community because the fellowship has been broken by your sin. This is why we have community groups. This is why we have men's breakfast. This is why we have ladies' nights, right? There's community that happens outside of these things, but the emphasis through those things is to try to build community. Not that we see all of these um, deep spiritual moments happening in those settings, but the relationships we build in those settings allow for the deep spiritual moments outside of those settings. You spend enough time with someone sharing your life and what's going on, the more comfortable you are saying, listen, this is an area where I need help. This is an area where I'm struggling. This is an area where I've wronged the Lord. This is an area where I've wronged you or someone else. And if we're not in relationship with one another, we're going to avoid those conversations. We're going to avoid those topics. We're not going to go there. And so we provide, again, the living room to go along with the classroom. 
knowing the Lord and knowing his word and studying those things. And so we need both. And again, it's not that we don't study the Lord in community group or his Bible. And it's not that we don't have any community in Bible study, right? There's elements of both in both. But we have emphasis on certain things in different places. James then closes with thoughts on wandering and returning. And here it's about returning in community or relationship. This is a case of someone bringing back the wayward. An interesting point here is that James doesn't say this job is reserved for clergy or professionals. This is something any believer can do. This is the beauty of community in Christ, where faithfulness flourishes. We saw this in much greater detail with our church membership series. We talked about welcoming, belonging, caring, serving, and honoring. We talked about the many one another's found in Scripture. These are all aspects of being the body of Christ for which he died. That can only be experienced in community. It should come as no surprise then that one huge key to our integrity as believers is pressing forward in Christ together. This is why together is part of our mission statement. We enjoy God's grace and we extend God's grace, but we seek to do it together or why be a church at all? We are not interested in a, I'm not interested, I don't think the rest of us are interested in a drive-through, take-home, DIY Christian life. Yes, everyone's faith is individual. No one else's faith can save you. And your relationship with God is yours alone. But your faith, is lived out faithfully in community with others. God has designed us this way. God exists in perfect community with the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He has designed man. It's not good for man to be alone. So even though God could be in relationship with man, Adam, just individual, Adam needed someone else like him in the flesh. Community is designed into humanity. So let our focus and faith in God lead us to faithful community with others. And in all of it, may God be glorified that we might look in the mirror of God's word when we check ourselves and see more of Jesus and less of us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the truth of your word, the reminder this morning that as we uh, as we think back through the weeks, the chapters of James, the different um, manifestations of our unbelief, our doubt, whether it's uh, words that are uh, setting things ablaze, whether it's impatience, whether it's greed, whether it's selfishness or pride. Maybe it's all of them, God. Maybe we don't like to look in the mirror of your word because we struggle with so many things. God, let us be reminded as we were this morning, we thank you for your, uh, your word that tells us that we should come to you in suffering, in hurt, in trial, in pain, in struggle, in sin, and we should come to you on the mountaintops and the victories, the joys, the things we're rejoicing in. We should turn to you above all, first and foremost. And God, that you've called us to, yes, live a life of individual faith, but to do it in community that we might encourage one another. As our call to worship said this morning, that we would look for ways to encourage one another to serve you, to look for ways to build each other up, to continue meeting together, to not stop meeting together because 
you work in us and through us. And even as we struggle sometimes with one another, God, that you work through that, that that's a testimony to say, how do these two people resolve their problems? How do these two people get along? It's because of the Lord. So God, I pray that our church would be marked by this kind of community, a community that welcomes, that, that, uh, that divides griefs and doubles joys, God, but ultimately a community that is plugged into you, our source of life source of hope, our source of salvation. Let us not skip the vitality that's found only in relationship with you and substitute it for the good feeling we get in just hanging out with one another. But let our relationships with one another flow from our relationship with you. Be a celebration of who you are and what you're doing in our lives and who you've created us to be. And God, we pray, as is our heart, that you would continue to add to your family, that you would grow the family of God, that you would add children to your family, God, that we would be those who could share your gospel truth with those who would believe. And God, we pray that you would grow our church, that you would bring believers who want to serve alongside us to make you known and to uh, manifest your kingdom in our relationships and our dealings with others. God, we pray for those who already know you to come alongside us and join us in the work that we're doing, that you're doing through us. And we pray, God, for those who don't yet know you to come and to taste and see that you are good, to hear of your great salvation, God, that they might believe and become children of yours as well. <clears throat> we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.